on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me wanna shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They're looking at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1 ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. What's up, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you along for the ride today. You can listen to us now on 96.5 FM. Don't forget to change your presets. Lock us in, baby. 96.5 FM for ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. You can lock us in on your smart device on the ESPN app as well. Just find the Listen tab. Contained within your ESPN app, find us, and off you go into the world, doing great things. Or even kind of mediocre things, even things. Did you get things done today? Good for you. We're glad that we can help you do the things. Just 13 shopping days left until Christmas, kids. If you like to wait to the last minute to order things online and expect them to arrive on your doorstep, before Christmas, we're kind of getting there. Right. This, these are the times when I really just want to go up to my local uh, post office worker and give him a big hug. I had to go to the post office today and I knew what I was getting into. Like these people that get upset because there's lines at the post office. Like, do you know what time of year it is? Like, did you not expect this? It's the postal workers that you just you just want to say, I'm going to give you a hug. Come on, let's hug it out right now. Or, like, bring them a cup of coffee or something. Do something nice for your local poster worker this time of year. It's crazy for them. So we're, if you're out in the craziness today, whatever you're doing, don't forget you can always take us with you via the ESPN app. 437-7644 is the phone number. Brent Axe Media. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. All great ways to get in touch with the show. Get your hot takes a-flowing That's hot. throughout the show. We have two guests that will join us today. Looking forward to speaking with both of these gentlemen right here in this hour. Chris Carlson, Syracuse.com. We like to check in with Chris from time to time on all matters, SU Athletics or whatever he's writing about. Sometimes Chris certainly goes beyond that, writes some terrific things on the dot-com. He had a, a great interview with John Wildhack earlier this week. A reminder that we'll have John Wildhack on this show tomorrow where we are anticipating he will break news of the Syracuse-Georgetown series continuing, Dino Baber's extension, and that the uh, Nike deal has been locked in. No big deal. We're just expecting three huge news items on this show during that interview. I don't ask for much, but I do ask for that. So we're looking forward to those things happening, maybe. 
on the show tomorrow with John. But Chris had a great conversation with him earlier this week, and we'll go over SU hoops and as we get ready for the Camping World Bowl. All's quiet on the SU front this week. It's finals week, so everybody's kind of laying low and practicing and dotting I's and crossing T's and wrapping up the semester, but things will ramp up soon with Old Dominion coming in Saturday, Buffalo shortly after that, the football team. We'll get back on the practice field. They head down to Orlando right around Christmas time, so they'll get about 10 days of practice in here before they head down to Orlando for the Camping World Bowl and a lot of things to cover with Chris Carlson. A lot of recruiting things to cover with our buddy Mike McAllister, QsNation.com. Now, Quade Green, you may remember that name once upon a time. Uh, Many of you came on these airwaves to, let's say, freak out a bit because he did not commit to Syracuse. Well, things aren't going so well at Kentucky. While it is my firm belief that Syracuse is certainly out of the Quad A Green business, we'll ask Mike where he could end up and if Syracuse is a possibility. Another uh, Q name from Quad A to Quadis, big-time recruit, was supposed to announce where he was going, but he has delayed that announcement. What does that mean for Syracuse, if anything? So we'll get a recruiting update from Mike, talk some football and hoops with him as well. Hot takes as usual. And I watched this uh, Mike Tyson for uh, 30 for 30 last night. And, yeah, it's going to be kind of Uncle Brent reminiscing a little bit. But something about that really struck me that we're just never going to get back to. And you might disagree with me on this because the world is crazy. It's hard to, you know, you get older, you get a jaded, a jaded old man now. Nothing surprises me no more. Once in a while, something comes along that still makes you step back and say, wow, that happened. But something about that, not only that documentary, which is very good, but that event really struck me that we'll discuss later in the program. Hot takes as usual. Uh, steam picking up for the college football playoff to expand to eight teams, which it should have been all along. But if they're really making serious headway to right that wrong, Good for them. I don't know why somebody tweeted at me today and said, ah, keep it at four. I just don't understand anybody that wouldn't want four more good football teams in the mix to decide the national championship. I don't get you. You've been brainwashed, if you believe that. Well, there's a take right there, huh? That's hot. Dropping the hammer. But I just, I don't get you people. I don't. <laughs> I just, nah, let's not let four more teams in the playoff. It's good like it is. No, it's really not. So we will discuss that later in the show. I want to start with Clutch, though. Great piece on Syracuse.com from my colleague Mike Waters. And this is where Tyus Battle finds himself these days. Now, you know, you make a list like this, inevitably people will disagree, and people have certainly um, left their thoughts in the comments. And Mike and I uh, discussed this a little bit when we filmed the latest episode of Orange Weekly, which you can find on Syracuse.com and YouTube tomorrow. Comes out every Thursday. I hope you can watch that little thing that we do every week. And Mike wrote a piece about the most clutch players in Syracuse history, which, you know, how do you determine something like that? Well, when it comes down to it, clutch is coming up in big moments, hitting, in basketball's case, big shots in big moments, having big games in big moments. And I thought Mike put a great list together. And I looked at it, and I kind of racked my brain and – you know, I'll be honest, I didn't sort through the comments with a fine-tooth comb on this. But I don't think he's really forgetting anybody. I think he really covered the list 
very well. And you got to determine a number. Is it 10? Is it 15? Is it 20? What's a fair number to make sure we get everybody that probably should be included? And what got Mike thinking about this, and a lot of us thinking about it, was something that Jim Beheim said after the Georgetown game. And, you know, we've played the clip, but, you know, just to give it to you quickly here, Beheim says, quote, he makes those shots. Down there against Georgetown last year, had the tying three. He'd made four or five at least last year, maybe more. His freshman year, he made a pretty good one at Clemson, but he's made a lot of big shots, probably as much or more than anybody we've ever had here in late-game situations. He's right there. And that is 40-plus years of experience speaking there. He's right there. So where was he? Well, as Mike lays out here, and I'll just kind of scroll through the list quickly, get your memory turning a little bit here. Jason Cipolla. Jason Cipolla wasn't here that long, but certainly made some huge shots for Syracuse, particularly in that 1996 NCAA tournament. Sweet 16, Syracuse trails by two to Georgia. Bing, bang, boom. He catches John Wallace's inbounds pass. It's a baseline jumper. That one's going to overtime. In six NCAA tournament games, Cipolla averaged 10 points, made 36% of his three-point attempts. You got Billy Owens, of course. Two free throws, March 4th, 1990. Syracuse trails by two to Georgetown. Perhaps you've heard the rest of that story, right? And then you go through Leo Routens, who had the shot everybody remembers in the Big East tournament when the Big East tournament was here, when it was in Syracuse. And I just love this picture that they have in the story because there's the blue curtain, right? John Gillen, in just a year at Syracuse, hits that shot against Duke, but also had the 43-point performance in overtime against NC State. Johnny Flynn, six-overtime game, right? Andy Routens hit some big shots. Malachi against Virginia in the Sweet 16. Jimmy Lee, and I love that you got to go back. you got to go back a few generations here, get the mind churning a little bit here. Jim Lee, game-winning shot against North Carolina in the NCAA tournament. Remains, as Mike points out rightfully here, one of the most memorable in Syracuse history, and that is the baseline. That is that first Final Four, that first team that started this run that continues to this day, right? And then you got Rudy Hackett, who had a huge 75 tournament and Final Four. Now we're getting down to nitty-gritty time. And this was a name that I'm like, wow, he's that high, but he really is. Ronnie Cycli. Ronnie Cycli. Six games, 87 NCAA tournament. He averaged 15 points, 8.2 rebounds per game. He averaged 23 points and 8 rebounds in the tournament run in 87. Dominated the East Regional, semifinal and final. And those were two games where he played terrific players and terrific teams. Notably, J.R. Reed with North Carolina, 26 points, 11 rebounds. So see, clutch is not just hitting a shot as the clock ticks down. It is stepping up in the biggest moments. And, man, you forget about just how, well, some people don't forget, but it doesn't hurt to remind you how big Ronnie Cycli was in 87. Carmelo Anthony is obvious. He did it just by sheer volume, by sheer numbers, by sheer talent, but played his best when it mattered the most. 20 points, 10 rebounds in the NCAA tournament. On the way to that Final Four National Championship run. The top four are the ones that rattle off your head, right? John Wallace, 96 tournament, the shot against Georgia, 30 points, 15 boards in that game. I mean, John Wallace, nothing against another name we brought up, Jason Cipolla, and the makeup of that team 
and how good of a point guard Lazara Sims was. But John Wallace pretty much pointed to his back and said, get on and let's go, and carried Syracuse to the 96 Final Four. And I'll contend, had he not gotten in foul trouble in the national title game, Syracuse could have, easily is not the right word, but certainly could have defeated a Kentucky team that ended up with like seven players going to the NBA. Pearl Washington is on this list and is number three and is right there and should be. Not just an electric player, but the half-court shot against B.C. Tyus Battle shot on Saturday, eerily similar to Pearl's shot to beat Georgetown the last time Patrick Ewing was in the Dome, as a matter of fact. Different sides of the of the free-throw line, but very similar nonetheless. The Syracuse Twitter feed actually had a terrific kind of side-by-side video that they did this week showing both of those shots in real time. And it's, I mean, you could not have scripted that any better. Now, notice the name I haven't said yet. Tyus Battle, number two. As Mike points out, I tried really hard not to give into a case of recency bias. I like that term. But there's no denying that Battle has found a way to raise his game and come up with clutch shots in a Syracuse career. Buzzer-beating three-pointer that stunned Clemson. As Mike points out, last year, Battle. Last-minute three-pointer, 72-70 win over Maryland. A late three in regulation at Georgetown in a game that Syracuse won in overtime. A three with six seconds left to force at Florida State an overtime game. Two go-ahead shots in the first overtime of that game. A go-ahead three in the NCAA tournament against Arizona State. 16 second-half points in the second-round win and a big shot against Michigan State. Capped that off with a jumper with 47 seconds left. That's the shot we're talking about. To put Syracuse up by three, and they go on to win by three. And then the Georgetown shot. I mean, we forget, yeah, recency bias, it just gets mixed up into, you know, everything that we've discussed in the past couple of years. He's had a lot of big shots. So some might look at that and say, well, that's blasphemy to put him ahead of Pearl or put him ahead of John Wallace. But, I mean, collectively... He has as many big shots as anybody. They're maybe not all in the big moments there, and we get swept up in those big moments in the tournament, but there was plenty of tournament. I mean, you're hitting big shots against Georgetown and in the tournament, and in look, you're in the ACC, and it comes down to it, and you've got to hit clutch shots like that. I saw that, and at first, and Mike's a friend of mine, of course, so I was, I was going to text him and be like, really, number two? But then when you read it, you take a step back, you breathe, you're like, no, he, that, that's that's actually right. And number one, of course, and there is no disputing this. I, I, I will not have an argument otherwise. And I'm glad that Mike did not cave into, I love that term, recency bias too much on this. It is no question Jerry McNamara. I mean, that's, that's not up for debate. The Big East tournament alone, but throw in his six threes in the first half of the NCAA tournament game, the shot to beat Georgetown, shot that sunk Notre Dame. I mean, the list goes on. 43 points, 43. I remember sitting right there, courtside, when he put 43 up on BYU in Denver. Jerry wins that argument. And if you have another answer to that, the conversation's over. It's one of those, I pat you on the head and say, you go on and believe that. You probably thought the moon landing was fake too, right? Steph Curry does. Maybe he needs to have a conversation with Jerry McNamara. and Somehow that'll fix that. I don't know. I'm just spitballing. Let's see what happened on the market today. Always great to hear from our main man, Lee Baldwin.
BigLeanBaldwin.com. You can check out the website or just stop in in Casanova, Utica. Get more diamonds than dogs on your portfolio. How you doing, Lee? I'm doing great. How about you, Brad? I'm doing great. It's Wednesday. We're only 13 shopping days away from Christmas, right? Uh-oh. So, yeah, you better get going there, Uh-oh. pal. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some people hear that and like, whoa, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> better get on that. So uh, how are we looking on the market today? Well, I need stocks to go higher for me to be able to shop this year, and they uh, they actually opened higher today, and we stayed higher. So that was good. So we ended up on the in the green with NASDAQ up both. Almost a 1%. Okay. Um, our diamond today, we're going with Lowe's. Put on that work belt, Brent, and uh, that was up 3% after they reiterated their numbers for next year. The dog goes to Dave & Buster's. I like their ticker. It's symbol P-L-A-Y. But it was a dog today falling over 7%. So. I'm surprised to hear this because I've spent a lot of money at both of those places recently. Like, I think <laughs> the stock went up for all the lights I had to replace on my tree from Lowe's. And let's just say my daughter's a big fan of Dave and Buster's. So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm and I think it's, uh, uh, it's, it's been a great stock over the years, as, as I remember. So, uh, you know, we'll keep our eye on that. But a uh, little shine off that million-dollar midway today. You know, quick question for you, Lee. You mentioned the, the NASDAQ, right? I, I, I kind of always forget forget about the NASDAQ? Like, you know, in, in, for a dummy like me, like what what's the difference between, you know, what we hear about the main stock market, the Dow Jones and the NASDAQ? Well, I mean, the Dow is just, it's 30 of the large cap stocks. So it's 30 stocks where uh, the NASDAQ is more of the tech issues and it's a little bit more volatile than the others. So it's, uh, um, so we really look at the three major S&P 500, 500 largest. Then you have the Dow 30, which we always talk about the Dow and then NASDAQ, which is you know, one point this year was up uh, 14%, 15%, so it's, uh, uh, that'll move around a little bit for you. So. Gotcha. Okay. See, I learned something. <laughs> Not that I don't learn anything normally, but I got double time today. I like that. <laughs> and we Good got 13 stuff. days left. I like the pressure. Come on. Get going, man. I Let's shop go. like GMAC. <laughs> You're clutch. You come through and the, 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 you know, the, the clock is ticking down and you got to come through clutch. I know you will. Lee. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Brett. Thank you, sir. It's Lee Baldwin. You can find him, as mentioned, at LeeBaldwin.com or just stop in. Kaz Utica, find the diamonds and the dogs, learn things like I just did about the stock market. See, that's why we do this segment for you. All right, let's learn things from Chris Carlson. Coming up next, our friend from Syracuse.com breaks it all down. Don't go anywhere. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. You know what I have not done yet? I should do this while we're yakking about it here. Um, The text line. Let's see. So far, it appears the texts that have come in are for me, for this show. Although this one doesn't address anybody in particular. It just says, although a, a previous text from this person does say, hey, Brent. Uh, Quade Green is leaving Connecticut, but the SU, court, uh, SU backcourt pardon me, is looking too full to add him. Do you think he may follow Coach Hopkins out at Washington? There's definitely a recent history of NBA-level point guard play at UW with Isaiah Thomas and Markel Fultz. Could be a chance for Green to save his college basketball career in the very least. I think that is a great thought. I think that is somewhere Quade Green should look to go. If there's a prior connection there, he's certainly not coming here. I mean, I'll ask the question. Mike McAllister is on the recruiting. And if there's any sort of inkling that it could happen, it's it's at least worth discussing. But from everything I understand, that's a no. That's a negative. 
That's a negative, Ghost Rider. Do not buzz the tower. So here, no, Washington, that's actually a pretty good thought from a text that I believe was addressed to this show today. But if you'd like to text Seth, 288-0644 during this show, as if you listened to yesterday's show, as that happened, uh, you're certainly more than welcome to do that. Let's do some hot takes right now, though. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. And it's presented by the Press Room Pub, the number one sports and entertainment venue in central New York. Not too late to have that uh, quick holiday party. A Press Room Pub gift certificate makes a terrific stocking stuffer. It's a great place to watch the game. And I say the game. What game? Any game, because they've got great TVs everywhere, terrific bar, a great food. I'm, what's a terrific bar, Brent? I mean, there's a lot of space to sit, and it's they've got lots of great things on tap and cool people and a great spot. that used, They used to print the newspaper, man, and you can still smell the ink in there. So get on down there, the Press Room Pub. And uh, we will be doing our show there. I'm not sure when the next date is, but uh, shortly, because we're due for a December roundup over there at the Press Room Pub. So we will let you know when we'll be there next. Okay, so Nicole Arbach wrote this piece on The Athletic today, and I was encouraged to see this, as obvious as it should be that something like this should be discussed, but sometimes people in positions of authority, the word obvious doesn't cross their desk, as disheartening as that is to say sometimes, not only in sports, but in life. Yay, democracy! So an 18 playoff According to Nicole Arbach's piece, is picking up steam. She's got a number of quotes in there from people that are on the college football playoff committee have authority on this. It's not sources this and sources that. People on the record saying, and you can read the whole thing. I'm not going to do that for you. But, you know, the bullet points are this, if done correctly, could happen as soon as 2020. And while you are certainly entitled to your opinions out there, I don't get anybody that only wants four teams in a college football playoff. As somebody tweeted me today, keep it at four. Why? What does that solve? Particularly when there is a power five structure. So one of the power five conferences, and not that they always earn it, the Pac-12 didn't exactly hold its weight this year, but there are five power conferences. And then you say, well, how do you do it? We're not going to find the perfect system. There's always going to be some teams left out. But to me, Five conference champions, and you leave the three spots open for debate. You leave the three spots open for a committee to discuss a number of factors, figure it out. If you got, if you want to have your television show and put out your rankings every week and do what ESPN does, I understand that. I work in the media business. I know how these things go. I, I, they're well-rated shows. It creates, uh, you know, debate. It creates content for ESPN. And they love it. And I understand why they love it. They pay a lot of money to broadcast these games. So the buildup to them should feed into it. I just don't get why anybody wouldn't want a few more teams in this thing. For a number of reasons. Right now, the conference championship means nothing. What does it mean to be the Big Ten champion? Certainly, you watch the SEC championship, Georgia-Alabama. People were hanging on every play in that game, and it was a terrific game. 
it means something to those fans to be SEC champion, but I think it was more because Georgia was playing Bama. I think it's more an SEC thing, not that you're crowned the SEC champion. Well, being the champion of a league would mean something here. If that's settled in a conference championship game, regular season, however you want to do it, and they've got these conference fundraisers as it is, those conference title games, fine. However, you deem the ACC, the SEC, the Big 12, the Big 10, and the Pac-12 champion, that's up to you. Well, they should go. And then we leave three teams open by rankings, by however we do it. I don't have the answer to that. I'm sure if if I sat down for like five minutes, I could figure it out. But you can't tell me Central Florida does not deserve a shot here. Because I don't want to hear they can't beat Alabama. While I would agree with you, I watched a documentary last night when Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson. And no one in the world thought Buster Douglas could beat Alabama. Or beat Mike Tyson. And nobody in the world thinks that Central Florida can beat Alabama. I'd rather see it on the field. I'd rather see it for myself, give Central Florida a month to get ready for Alabama, and let's see it. Who doesn't want to see that team play whoever it would be? Bama, Georgia, whoever gets the number one seed. And, of course, this year it's Bama. It would make more money for ESPN. It would be better for the sport. They certainly have enough time to do it. They have the infrastructure to do it. You could add in the bowl system or not use the bowl system, right? People, you know, bellyache about the bowl. The bowl system's fine. There's only eight teams in a playoff. You're adding just a couple of games, which they rotate anyway into the college football playoff. I hate to go back to this old argument, but I'm going to because I just watched Colgate, North Dakota State this past weekend. If we can have a playoff structure at the FCS level, we can do it in big boy college football. Eight teams, to me, is perfect because it creates, it's still hard to get into. And by the way, the dumbest argument that I hear from people is that it devalues the meaning of the regular season. That is such a garbage take. I can't even comprehend it anymore because it doesn't water down college football at all. Because if you know anything about college football and watch college football and are passionate about college football, every week to you means something. You know how hard it is to be in the conversation as a team in the college football playoff as it is. That doesn't change much if it goes from four to eight. College football fan bases bring a different kind of passion and loyalty. They live for those football Saturdays. That will not change if there's a playoff that has a few more teams. So I hope, and I read this story, and I was encouraged because it wasn't the usual nonsense you get from people in these positions. Like, you can tell they've heard the message. It's legit. They want to change the structure of it. Well, please do, because it only makes sense. And somebody would say, you know, Seth brought it up to me during one of the breaks. Well, what if you get Pittsburgh beats Clemson, say, and they're the ACC champion? Well, Clemson would be in one of those other three spots. Like, I think, while there's no fail-proof thing here, I think five conference champions, three open spots solves a lot of those issues. And if it doesn't, guess what? It creates content. It creates debate. It creates discussion. We're sports fans. We like to do these things. That's hot. Why you would be against any of this just boggles my mind. It really does. Do you know where the, not that Brent plans ahead this much, but I might have to for this. 
Do you know where the 2020 NFL draft is, kids? Vegas, baby! The National Football League did it right and has already confirmed today NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell announcing to the teams, which has subsequently made its way into the media, that the 2020 NFL draft is in Vegas. Many of you listening to me have been to Vegas during a major sporting event, Super Bowl, NCAA tournament being the two biggest. I have not done this. I want to do this. I don't have a strong desire to go to Las Vegas. I've never been there, believe it or not. I really don't have a strong desire to go. For the NFL draft, though, I kind of think I need to see this. I need to see people, because the NFL draft is just a convention of amazing fans that come together and make these things just that, an event. Now put it in the biggest event town in the world, I kind of think I need to see that. And we can crash at Dan Duva's place. And we will break on that note and come back. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Thank you. Bye-bye.